Welcome to Window of Opportunity, a Stargate rewatch podcast. I'm Carrie. I'm Rachel. And today we're talking about Stargate SG-1 Season 4, Episode 3, Upgrades. This one was fun. Let's make SG-1 into superheroes. <laughs> this was definitely another one of those where I recognize the scene from your videos where I'm like, oh, that's where that's from. <laughs> the one where Daniel turns around in the restaurant. No, it was no. the one where they all come out of the Stargate. Um, oh, okay. Like rapid and run because, around. Because, do you want to know why? Because that is the only shot in season four of them exiting the gate. Oh, really? Yes. Oh, that's a fun tidbit. So, yeah, as we move forward, keep that in mind because that's what that sequence is at the end of that video, the how far we've come. It's season one, exiting the gate, season two, exiting the gate, season three, exiting the gate. This is the only season four with the team exiting the gate, at least in a fashion that would make sense within the video. Oh. So. funny. Yeah. So keep keep an eye on that as, as we move forward in this season. Yeah. We should. Yeah. Hey, if anybody's listening, have you actually watched any of Carrie's videos? Because they're awesome. So if you haven't seen them, you should. And I made a Harry Potter fan video once that I should post again. Because yeah. I don't know yes. what happened to it. <laughs> you you can find me on YouTube at Switch842. Yep. Thanks. I'll let yeah. you know what mine is after I post a Harry Potter video again. I gotta go find where <laughs> that went. Yeah. Stargate videos don't get a lot of hits on YouTube anymore because, you know... <laughs> The show is uh, 25 years old, and it ended a, a very long time ago at this point. So, well, now it's considered vintage and antique, and it's due for a reboot, so everyone's going to be nostalgic about the old one. Apparently, like, Brad Wright does have plans for another series, if it does anything with MGM and Amazon now. Apparently, there he has plans for, like, a different kind of gate, which I was like... I don't know. I haven't read too much about it because I like I don't want to like spoil myself, so I just kind of yeah. see headlines and snippets here and there. So I'm just like, huh, a different kind of gate. That's interesting. I, I do like these days, and I hope they kind of keep it going. Of you know, there was that whole period in time of doing straight up just remakes of everything, mm-hmm. and most of them were stupid and didn't need to be done yeah because it kind of you know obviously the originals were iconic for a reason i like how what they're starting to do is even if they want to revisit a certain universe they're doing different stories within that universe like all the stuff they're doing with star wars now how they have all the spinoff series and you know things like that so i think that if they do another Stargate something, they, I mean, doing a just straight up reboot would be terrible. They should just revisit the Stargate yeah. universe, as it were. Not the Stargate universe show, but yeah. <laughs> I, the universe yeah. at which the Stargate lives. Yeah, I do think if it comes back, it will be like, you know, SG-1, Atlantis, all that stuff happened. And now we're here and in, you know, present day, all that stuff has happened. Where are we now? Like, yeah. not erasing yeah. any of the past stuff, so. Yeah. yeah, I think that would be a much better idea than just yeah. redoing it. Yes. Yeah. yeah. It will definitely be a continuation, not a reboot or remake. A continuum? Hey, I know. <laughs> I see what you did there. <laughs> <laughs> are, you, are you just impressed that I remembered what the movie title was? I, 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 I am, yes. <laughs> <laughs> all right okay shall we get into upgrades yep let's okay get into it. so this episode originally aired on july 14th 2000 it was written by david rich and we actually have our first fun fact for the episode here because this is the only episode that is being had that is credited as being written by david rich and is the only episode he wrote because apparently the script he turned in was so horrible it had to basically be completely written by Robert C. Cooper but according to Writers Guild rules whoever writes the first draft is the writer that gets the credit oh man so it's like I, I read that and I was like now I want to just read that script and see 
like what that was all about because like how terrible it really was how terrible was it yeah like what was wrong with it um so yeah yeah (laughs) I would actually want to know what stuff was kept then Uh, yeah that too it's like if it was so horrible yeah like what aspects of it managed to stay to the final draft yeah Ooh, that'd be fun yeah yeah. Um, so, yeah. So written by David Rich, although also really Robert C. Cooper and directed by Martin Wood. And in this week's episode, SG-1 is selected to test the effects of alien tech military wristbands on human wearers and soon find themselves blessed with spectacular strength and speed. But when they go on a mission utilizing these new abilities, they learn a shocking lesson about the downside of power. So we start in the gate room with Sam, Tilk, and Hammond waiting as the gate dials in. And here we also have our first goof for the episode because as the gate is spinning, you can see the original point of origin on the gate, which shouldn't be there because this is now the Antarctic gate that is being used. So it should have a different point of origin on it. Ah. Whoops. Oopsie. So Jack and Daniel then enter the gate room with, I think, this is one of, I think, the first instances of Jack and Daniel entering a room together and Daniel getting dressed as he enters that room. Do with that what you will. Um, apparently, what they're waiting <laughs> What did on... you do with that? Oh, so many things. <laughs> so many. <laughs> um, but apparently what they're waiting on is the Topra because the SGC received some kind of vague message that someone was coming to visit not jacob but they didn't say who and jack kind of goes off on a little rant about how the toker are kind of starting to piss him off and just getting annoyed because it's like they come calling and we're like yes sir and they say how high and jump and whatever and it all just usually ends in some kind of as the gate opens and in walks a male toker carrying a large box and then one of the most beautiful women in like the the universe at this point this is, uh, she's played by the lovely Vanessa Angel, who's been in oh, so many things. I think she belongs on the Vancouver Actors Bingo board, but you may recognize her as Lisa from the Weird Science TV series that they made back in like the mid 90s. That was oh, anything no. else? Never watched the TV series, just a movie. How did you even know that was a TV series? Yeah, it went for like three or four seasons. It was very, it was, I think I've, I've seen like a few episodes here and there, but yeah, I never like watched it, watched it, but. Was it actually any good? Eh. Is it due for a reboot? <laughs> no. Leave or a revision? <laughs> leave it alone. No. Uh, but, any, but anyway, Daniel's just like, yep, that's trouble. Because, you know, that's where Jack was going with his whole, usually the toker come calling leads to some kind of trouble. And Daniel's like, mm-hmm, that, that's trouble right there. Yep. Yep. And he's uh, right. Yes. He, unfortunately, he is. Uh, so the male toker here is Marnon. And the woman introduces herself as Anise. And Daniel's like, Anise. She's like, it means noble strength, which is, but it's also spelled like the herb anise, that kind of licorice flavored thing, mm-hmm. which is interesting. Which I always mispronounce anyway as Anise. I know, me too. <laughs> it's like, no, it's anise. Uh, Daniel's then like, you know, introduces himself and says his name means uh, God is my judge. And Jack tries to get in on that too, but doesn't know what his name means, which I looked it up. It means God is gracious. And so just asks, uh, what's in the box? Which is kind of funny because Jack goes, uh, I, you know, I'm Jack. And that means what's in the box is kind of like Jack in the box. That was just Oh, I didn't put that together. That's funny. I don't know if that's what they meant, but I was just, I may, I don't know. My brain went there. I don't know if that's where they meant to go with it, but I like it. Did you double check that Daniel actually means God is my judge or yes. whatever that means? Yeah, it is. Yes. It's true. Yep. Okay. Yep. God is my judge. Yep. Oh, man. What does your name mean? I bet you looked up yours. I, I don't remember. Oh, okay. But it's you looked it up, didn't you? I mean, I have in the past. Yes. Oh, just, okay. I don't, I don't right. the top of my head. Well, you should probably relook it up so you can introduce yourself as such. <laughs> I am Carrie. It means. Okay. Sure. What what does your name mean, Rachel? I have no idea. I've never looked at my name, but now I should so that I can introduce myself as such. Okay. <laughs> uh, so we cut up to the briefing room and what's inside the box are three armbands that Anise says are from a race called the Atniks. And apparently their rise and even actually their demise predate the Gould. So they're apparently very, very, very old race. And Sam has some memory of them from Jolinar and asks if these armbands are the things that would give the wearer enhanced speed and strength. And yes, indeed, they are. 
And the Tok'ra were very excited when Anise found them, as they were long thought to just be a myth. And Daniel and Anise then have a little moment over them both being students of, like, ancient cultures and, like, archaeologists and stuff. And the reason the Tok'ra brought them here to Earth is because they don't work on the Tok'ra, most likely due to their symbiote. So Anise wants to put them on SG-1 and start testing them, like, right now. And Hammond's like, could we, you know, have a minute to study, figure out what's going on with these things? And she's like, all right, if you don't want to do it, we'll go find some, some, we'll go find somebody else who wants to do it. And like, basically like starts to pack up to leave. And Jack's like, fine, sure. And then uh, the host emerges. No, I took that to mean the other way around. Not like, okay, fine, we'll do it. But because the threat is something like. You know, if you guys don't want to do it, we'll find somebody who will. And Jack just goes, okay. Well, and I took that to mean, okay, go find somebody else who will do it. Not, well, okay, we will be the test subjects. Okay, so Anise says that, you know, if you don't want it, we'll go find somebody else. Hammond looks to Jack, and Jack's fine is more of like, okay, fine. Like, we'll do it fine, not yeah. like, okay, fine, go, because she stays, so. Yeah, but I forget, no, there's like a, there's a additional exchange as to why she stays yeah i mean so the host comes out and sort of apologizes for niece's like pushiness in this it's just this uh, this is something she's been working on for a long time and is like you know we'll take every safety precaution and then anise comes back out and is like is so is it yes or no Um, yeah and then they're like okay fine okay okay Mm. but i i took the other okay to be like okay "Okay, fine go find somebody else that'll do it Mm, interesting and okay because that's because otherwise that would be why it's necessary for the human host to be like please come on forgive her okay okay i guess i can see that yeah i'm just saying because i i thought okay. that scene i like w- was very interesting to me how jack was like okay fine go find somebody else and i'll do it okay Hmm. I took it the other way. Interesting. Interesting indeed. Put that on the poll. Who's right? <laughs> um, so uh, there's an interesting production note here that came from the commentary. If you pay attention in this episode, the Tok'ra Anise talks to Daniel, but the human host Freya talks to Jack. Hmm. Oh, so from there we go to the opening credits as apparently, you know, SG-1 and Hammond debate what they're going to do. And we come back from the opening credits and apparently the answer to Anise's question was yes, because Anise is getting Jack prepped for the experiment in in, in the gym, apparently, instead of like the infirmary. I'm like, okay. Um, and Dr. Fraser is also there watching over everything. And Anise places a biosensor on Jack that will monitor all of his vitals, et cetera, for the duration of this experiment. She puts the armband on and nothing yet. Anise mentions that they believe the armbands slowly increase the wearer's abilities so that they can adjust rather than just like going straight to 100 from the beginning. So Jack is dismissed to just sort of go about his day. Interesting. And we cut to a bit later where Jack and Tilk are boxing, an activity we lost saw them do in, do you remember the episode? No. The fifth race. Oh, okay. Got it. And Jack is saying he's not feeling any effects yet. And Tilk's like, really? Because you, you seem to be boxing with like really great prowess today and everything. And Suddenly, Tilk, you know, throws some punches at Jack, and Jack moves super duper fast, like Matrix speed, to dodge Tilk's punches, and then just like lays Tilk out with one punch. So I don't know how I felt about that scene where like Jack maneuvers around like super fast and then decides to punch Tilk in the face. (laughs) I know. Instead of being like, oh, that was awesome. Perhaps I should not do anything else until we know what this does. But nope, he decides, like, I'm just going to punch him. Yep. Um, We did get uh, also in the commentary some information about how, like, the super speed stuff was filmed, if you're interested. Um, So whenever you see the super speedy stuff, it is, like, so here Rick was actually sort of dodging and weaving and doing all that stuff. But they filmed it at 96 frames per second so basically when they brought it to editing they had four times as much footage as they need for the 24 frames per second that tv is normally shot at 
So when they compress all of that down to the 24 frames per second, that's then how they get the super speedy, streaky motion thing that this is. Nice. I do like that. So we cut to the infirmary, and Dr. Fraser's checking over Tilk, and Tilk's like, I'll be fine. And Jack apologizes, and Tilk's like, you're not sorry. And Jack's like, yeah, no, I'm not. <laughs> Which I thought was just great. He's like, yeah, no. Because, yeah. I mean, how many times can Jack say he, like, bested Tilk in boxing? Like, come on. It's yeah. like, yeah, that was pretty awesome. Um, yeah. uh, then Anise gives him, like, this sort of stress ball thing to squeeze to measure his strength which she says is five times greater than an average human. And Jack's like, so no change, huh? <laughs> oh, Jack. Yeah. <laughs> and Anise is like, not phased at all. Like, not yeah. really funny. It's just like, oh. He's just like, mm. okay. Yeah. Uh, he's also eating a lot of sugary things. And Anise comments that it's probably due to the increased metabolism to keep up with, like, the energy levels that his body now requires for the sort of extra speed and strength that he's got going on. And Dr. Fraser reminds Anise that she was going to show her how to read that like tablet thing that she's keeping all of the data on. And Anise is like, I will, but not right now. First, it's time for more test subjects. So Sam and Daniel get the armbands. Yay. Why? Okay, so why do you think that they started with only Jack? Probably because Jack was like, start with me as like the, you know, the commanding officer I'm the one in charge, you start with me to sort of, mm. in case anything did go wrong, he would be protecting his team from mm. any adverse effects. Interesting. I would think. Yeah. So we cut to a bit later and Daniel is in his office doing Daniel things when Jack comes in to kind of bother him as Jack does. And he picks up a book and reads it in about two seconds. And... There's sort of a missing fun fact in that I tried to find out what book this was, but there wasn't a clear enough shot of it. But the best I could do is that it's most likely one of the books written by the British political philosopher Thomas Hobbes from the 17th century, based on what oh. um, Daniel says later about it. So, oh, okay. um, so, uh, so Daniel is like, whole, whole, holy crap, that that's amazing. And asks Jack what theory Hobbes gave for the fall of civilization. And Jack answers failing agricultural infrastructure. So it's not only that Jack like read the book, but was actually able to like process the information in it and like understand it. And so Daniel looks down at the book he's reading and like starts like trying to flip through the pages faster and faster, but it just doesn't work. He's like, yeah, that's such a funny thing too. Yeah, it's so funny. And then Jack just goes, do you want me to read it to you? (laughs) (laughs) This is, I mean, given what happens later, like the beginning of this episode is actually quite funny. It's it's one of the more comedic episodes of Stargate, I do have to say. If I were Daniel at that moment, I would have said yes. (laughs) Yes, read it to me. And what is it that Jack Jack reads the first book and then he's like, do you have another book explaining this book? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So he store. I guess he he understood it enough to be able to tell Daniel some of it, but not enough for Jack to really understand it. Probably because it's just not Jack's area of expertise and stuff. Yeah, yeah. So we then get Dr. Fraser heading into Sam's lab, which is in complete darkness, and apparently Sam has been running some tests on the material that the armband is made of, and hadn't noticed that all of the lights were out. And Fraser turns them on, and Sam is kind of like, "Ow, that's not pleasant." So this is, you know, not great news to, like, Dr. Fraser. So she, like, drags Sam to the infirmary to check things out. And, you know, her vision's fine. She has a slight fever. But Sam's not worried and just assures Janet that Anise is watching over everything. And Janet's like, yeah, Anise. And basically, Fraser doesn't really seem to trust her that much. Like, her equipment, sure, but not her specifically and so she wants to run a full blood test on sam to just see what's going on i thought sam's attitude towards janet was interesting did you yeah it's and it is something that they they mentioned in the commentary too i'm good if in case you haven't noticed watch the commentaries they're really interesting but Sort of one of the side effects that it, it starts to come up later is 
there's the physical stuff, but there's also sort of the mental component of, I feel really awesome. I don't want to get rid of this thing because I feel awesome and everything's fine and everything's great and nothing is wrong. Like, why, why are you concerned? There's nothing to be concerned about. Everything's fine. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, and I would get that too, but it was just interesting how that came out as, um, not believing Janet in her doubt of like it just it came off weird in the sense of like confidence in a niece <laughs> yeah yeah it yeah. is it is interesting sort of how how that attitude presents in each in each of the three of them mm-hmm. yeah so we cut back to the gym and Jack is on one of those like stepper machines like I don't know what you call it but you know it's it's almost it's almost has that like that skiing motion kind of thing, you know, like the totally stepper thing. On me now too. Oh, crap. Yeah, I can't remember the name of that thing, but like it's not a treadmill, but it's not a bike because he's standing. But you know, it's a sort of like stepping, running kind of thing, but your feet don't leave it like a treadmill. I don't know, whatever it's think called. About it. Like um, it's gonna pop into my head at the at the end. <laughs> I know. And I tried to like Google it, but, like. What's popping in my head now is is Peloton, and that's obviously not right. Yeah. But crap, what no. is it? Because it's referred like to Nordic like by its brand name. Oh yeah, maybe that. No, is that, is that that's also is that no. Nordic track thing. No, I don't know. Um, crap, we're gonna think about it at the worst time. Yeah, but anyway, but basically his legs are going so fast that they're just a blur at this point, and he's like not even sweating. So Anise then gives him that ball to squeeze again, and he just completely crushes it. And it's like, whoops. And just the, the sort of snarky attitude Anise has as she, like, takes it back from him. is just like, give me that thing. You <laughs> is funny to me, at least. I don't know. Okay. Um, Who is yeah. coming up as a Nordic track? But that's a brand. That's not. Yeah. Elliptical. Elliptical. That's it. Thank you. Elliptical. That's it. Thanks. Thanks, Google. <laughs> Thanks, Google. Uh, we then cut to Anise in Daniel's office, sort of catching up with him and how he's doing. And if you notice, he's not wearing his glasses. And he's like so, so excited about his new powers and all the books he's been able to cross-reference to try and decipher the language that's on the armband in like in just an hour and everything. And and Anise is like, so what have you found? And he's like, Nothing. But I can read really fast. (laughs) I can read so fast. Read so fast. And it's just, it's such a Daniel thing. I love it so much. It's great. Um, Anise then hands him an actual physical notebook with all of the handwritten notes that she has on the Ateniques. And apparently Freya really likes handwriting notes. So uh, Daniel speed reads the notebook and says that the inscription says that with great power comes great responsibility. <coughs> Spider-Man. <coughs> oh, um, I read somewhere that like I'm not I'm I'm only familiar with comic book characters as far as the movies. Sorry everybody. I sorry ahead of time. But I did read somewhere that like the comic book version of Spider-Man that's not actually what the quote is. It's it's you know similar, but that's not actually what they say. That that actual phrasing of it wasn't mm. until the movies. Okay, I didn't find that. I did find though, like where Stanley got the idea for being Ooh, putting okay. that in the comics, and uh, it comes from the Bible. <laughs> Um, from, from, uh, the gospel of Luke chapter 12, verse 48, it says for unto whomsoever much is given of him shall be much required and to whom men have committed much of him, they will ask the more. So, yes. So apparently, yeah, Stanley got the idea for that from the Bible. Hmm. Um, but then Anise adds that in addition to that, it also says, and the ability to affect great consequences. So, like, yep. So Daniel then mentions that her notes didn't say anything about what might have led to the extinction of the Antoniques. And no, that wasn't ever part of her research at all. It was just about how the armbands actually work. 
And a light then pops up on Daniel's armband and he's like, what's that mean? And Anise kind of looks at it curiously before like sort of making some notes in her little tablet thing. So SG-1 are then in the gym with Anise and it seems like the armbands are now at full power. So that's pretty cool. And Dr. Fraser and Hammond are sort of approaching from the hall and they call her sort of out into the hall to sort of have a little conference about things. And they start to raise some questions about like what is actually happening to SG-1, like physiologically, because they've elevated temperatures and there seems to be some kind of virus running through them. And Anisha's just like, oh yeah, the, that's how the armbands work. Like they put the virus into their system and that's how they work. It's like, <sighs> And Janice, like, what now? Yes. And then she kind of, uh, Anise also then kind of, like, takes umbrage with what Dr. Fraser is kind of implying here about how she doesn't, it seems to be that Dr. Fraser is implying that Anise doesn't care about what's happening to the people, and she just cares about, like, what is going on with the experiment and not what, what effects the experiment is actually having. And, you know, Dr. Fraser is very concerned about the health of these people who are under her basically command sort of as far as healthcare is concerned. And, right. you know, Fraser and Hammond went to call off the experiment and Hammond goes, if there's one thing I've learned in my time here is that there's nothing wrong with a little prudence when dealing with alien devices. Oh, truer words have never been spoken. Yes. So they head back into the gym and Hammond tells SG-1 that the experiment is paused and they need to remove the armbands. And at first they're just like, I don't want to. And he's just like, I've given you a command. And so um, the, the the other problem is that they can't take the armband off. Which so. I'm surprised they didn't try to do that like immediately when they first put them on. Yeah. Like, first rule of, some, of, of, you know, IT, turn it off and on again. So, yeah. Yeah. How is there not like a, like a release button? Like, yeah. 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 I was a little surprised at that too. It's like, you didn't try that before now. Okay. That that would have been like my first. (laughs) All right. That's awesome. How do I get it back off? Okay, cool. Yeah. How's it come off? Um, So Anise and Dr. Fraser are in Hammond's office continuing to argue and Anise is all like, the positive effects are amazing. There's no downside at all. And Fraser's just like, yet. Yeah. And uh, they still need to figure out how to get the armbands off because short of actually removing their arms, which is just not <laughs> something they're going to do. So yeah. please get back to trying to figure out how to get these armbands off my people. Mm-hmm. And back in the gym, Jack is bench pressing like 600 pounds. And Tilk's like, aren't, aren't you worried? about this because Tilk seems worried about this and Jack's like nope this is great I love it and he's like you know what I'm gonna go talk to Hammond and see if we can get approved to like go on a mission like with the armbands on and see how that goes and he wanders over to the punching bag and just punches right through it yep so also I was I mean obviously this furthers the plot but you'd think that also with this sort of thing they would have had like a minimum time requirement at which they were going to test these things of like all right we're gonna test them for 30 days or you know like whatever yeah it's like you know pretty much what they have to do with all medical like you know fda testing or all that you know i don't know yeah yeah any kind of experiment really should does have time parameters Mm -hmm. it's like okay you know what you're testing how long are you testing it for yep yeah that would be good yeah uh, Fraser goes to check on Sam, who is writing a book on wormhole physics really, really fast. Like, it's too fast for the computer to keep up with her. And Fraser then asks Sam to help them figure out how to get the bands off. And Sam's like, I don't want to. I've written a thousand-page book in two hours. But, like, why Why would I want to get rid of this? And they get kind of, like, huffy with, with each other. And then Janet just kind of storms out of Sam's office because... yeah. Yeah. So up in Hammond's office, Hammond, of course, denies Jack's request to send them on a mission. And Jack keeps arguing for it, but just ends up kicking a hole in Hammond's wall, which is kind of the perfect rebuttal to why they should not go out on a mission. Just like, no, not happening. And the story and Jack's like, okay, but, you know, whenever you want to say the word and we're good to go. And Hammond's like, okay. He's like, seriously, just say the word like three seconds. We can be ready to go. Okay, thanks. Okay. Yeah. Okay. 
So, so, and any words you want to say is that how about dismissed? So, you know, and at one point Hammond's like, get the hell out of my office. How about those words? Do you like those words? Can I say those words to you? So Jack is finally like, all right, fine, leaves. And uh, Siler's coming up the stairs and Jack kind of like punches him in the shoulder in greeting, forgetting that he's now a superhuman and just sends Siler tumbling over the railing down a flight of stairs and lands smack on his back. Aww. Poor, poor Dan Jay. Which is hilarious, but sad. (laughs) Yeah. So the three members of SG-1 get locked away in the VIP room because Siler has a broken arm and a concussion. Jack did send flowers. And Sam and Daniel do seem to be kind of starting to think like, maybe this isn't all like sunshine and rainbows. But again, also Sam's just like, I'm starving and would really like some protein right now. And Jack's like, mm, steak. Let's go to O'Malley's in town. So... Which I'm pretty like I'm pretty much like that on a regular basis of like I would love some steak. Steak oh we had steak over the weekend. Oh, Ooh, so, so good. good. Chris went and got uh like the full beef tenderloin from Costco that butchered down into like oh my god that's the best. Ooh nice. So good. So tender, juicy, mm. delicious. Damn it. Uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I presently um, don't have steak in front of me. That's not fair. I'm sorry. <laughs> Uh, we then get a bunch of like blurry shots as they run through the corridors and end up outside the elevators in civilian clothing as we then cut to O'Malley's in the city. And so fun fact, this is a real location, like the exterior and in and interior. They actually shot in this restaurant. Oh, um, like the same one? Because the outside did not match the inside at all. Yep. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's yep. funny. Yep. Uh, so this is a real restaurant up on Burnaby Mountain. At the time this was filmed, it was called Horizons, but uh, the restaurant closed in 2020. But now the city of Burnaby has taken over ownership and will reopen it as Mintara on Burnaby Mountain. And this will come up later in the episode. But so Mintara is the Japanese name for the playground of the gods, which is this sort of art installation thing on the top of Burnaby Mountain, which is um, like when they go to the planet where Anubis is building his ship, there's those like wooden totem poles. That's mm-hmm. what this playground of the gods is. And that was created by Toko Nuburi, who is from the uh, Ainu indigenous people of Japan and the city of Kushiro on the Japanese island of Hokkaido, which is where uh, Toko Nuburi is from, is the sister city to Burnaby, Vancouver, mm-hmm. British Columbia. Uh, and so this Playground of the Gods was unveiled in 1990 to celebrate the 25th anniversary of the relationship between Burnaby and Hokkaido. Oh, cool. Yeah. Nice. So once inside the restaurant, they're apparently debating how high the fence they had to jump over was to leave the SGC. So there's some more superpowers for you. Mm-hmm. And the waitress comes over to take their order, and Jack orders three of their biggest steaks with everything rare and a baked potato. And the waitress is like, "Great, got it," and starts to walk away. And is like, "Wait, that that that's just Jack's order. Yep, that was just for me, just for Jack." And Daniel decides on the same thing, and then Jack is like, four steaks." And they're like, "Yeah, four steaks." So Sam also agrees with that, but asks for fries instead of the baked potato and a diet soda because she likes the taste. Even though she's drinking beer. So are you having beer or soda? I don't know. So once the waitress is gone, Sam's like, you know, we're actually like defying a direct order here. And they're like, yeah, it's nothing we haven't done before. It's like, yeah, but also in the past, you've defied direct orders in the interest of saving the planet from total annihilation. Not to go get a steak. And Jack's just like, it's fine. Like, no one will know we're missing. It's fine. Okay. All right. No. It's never how those things go. It's not the same thing at all. And so we cut to after dinner, and Sam has just beaten a guy out of some money over a game of pool, and Amanda did make that shot on the first try. Oh, hey, nice. Yeah. Uh, Martin would actually bet her $100 that she couldn't do it, and then she did, and so he paid her $100, and he was like, I bet you can't do it again, and she did it again, so Martin would had to pay Amanda $200. (laughs) So. (laughs) Nice. Well done. Yeah. yeah, go Amanda. Um, 
So Sam asks if he wants another go, but he decides to cut his losses, which Daniel's like, that's a good idea, and kind of chuckles as he walks away. And to which the guy goes, what are you laughing at, you geek? And like, okay, I'm sorry, but Daniel does not look like a geek here. Like, are you kidding me? This is that like, struck out to me, too. Like, at no point in time is he, like, geekish at all with his no. outfit, general demeanor, or look, or, like, what? I don't... <laughs> this is just, like, this is, like, top-notch Michael Shanks prettiness here, if I may be shallow for a moment. But, yeah. And you can see Daniel kind of pause, and Jack's like, let it go. And Daniel's like, you know what? Nah, not today. Mm-mm. Not gonna do that today. Yeah. And so the guy's just like, what are you going to do about it? And like two guys surround Daniel and two other guys surround Jack, to which Jack goes, well, this is a cliche. And which it is. And Daniel just kind of like raises his eyebrows at Jack and Jack's like, all right. And just grabs one of the guy and like throws him across the restaurant as we cut to outside the restaurant as sounds of fighting and general mayhem ensue inside with SG-1. <laughs> I feel like that scene would have gone a whole lot better if, like, Sam was the one to instigate of, like, okay, and she just picks up somebody and, like, throws him across the room. That would have been cool, yeah. Yeah, I I feel like the fight would have been over before it started because the rest of the guys would have been like, whoa, mm-hmm. no, Ooh. not not dealing Mm-mm. with that one. Yep. Yep. Uh, <laughs> so Hammond and Dr. Fraser are in his office, and he's on the phone, and he hangs up and turns to Fraser and says... One of the greatest lines I think Hammond has ever said on this show, he goes, I thought the devices were supposed to enhance them physically, not make them stupid. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, so good. So good. And, you know, Frazier doesn't know anything about that. You'd have to ask Anise about that whole thing. But what she does know is that there's basically increased hormones in their systems. And she describes it almost as like intoxication. And that's not all. Their blood tests are also starting to show signs of organ failure, which organ failure usually leads to death. So less good. Less, very much less good. And they still haven't been able to figure out how to get the armbands off. And Fraser then proposes if they can't get the armbands off, they might be able to figure out a way to combat the virus, at least. That's sort of making the armbands work. So she heads back to, I guess, keep working on that. And SG-1 come into the briefing room and they get a very well-deserved scolding from Hammond. And it's like, just like, what, what were you thinking? What, like, what's going on? And there's, there's a little bit of bickering sort of amongst themselves because Jack kind of throws Sam under the bus and Sam's like, it was your idea. And at one point Daniel says, it's like the armbands are having an effect on our ability to make rational choices. You think? Yeah, maybe just a little bit. And uh, Anise then enters the room with a message from the Tokra High Council, apparently, about plans they've conveniently, oh, so conveniently, just received about a new type of ship that Apophis is building. And they want SG-1 to go on a mission to destroy it because all of their, like, internal machinations have failed at this point. And Hammond just... believe... <laughs> if you believe was- that, I have a bridge to sell you. <laughs> yeah and Hammond just sees right through this he's like this isn't new information this was the plan all along and Freya the human host comes out and tries to assure Hammond that that's not true but Hammond's just he's not buying it like at all and even so Anise downloaded all of the Toker intel onto the SGC computers for him to review he's still like this is not happening they're not going on this mission and orders SG-1 to be taken sort of back to lock up Mm-hmm. And so SG-1 are back in the VIP room. And what do they do as soon as the guards are gone? Oh, Sam pulls up all of that information on the computer that Anise mm-hmm. puts in their system. Yep. And I just, I really like this transition here of like them pulling up the information, switch to a shot of like the computer screen showing the ship. And then when we come out of that shot of Apophis's ship, we're then in Hammond's office with Hammond and Tilk looking over the specs too. I, I like that too. I thought that was cool. Mm-hmm. And so Tilk does agree that like this ship cannot be allowed to be completed because it would just completely change the game for everybody. And he offers to go alone. Are, are there no other SG teams available to accompany Tilk on this mission? No, it is called SG-1 for a reason. I know, but still, come on. 
Um, yeah, this is another thing, like what I was talking about on the other other yes. show of like, why why are there no backup of like, hey, who's not on a mission right now? That's why I had your voice in my head going, where are all the other teams? Yeah, because of what you said the other day. Um, so Hammond, you know, first off, still to prove that it won't be just a suicide mission. So mm-hmm. uh, back with SG-1, they're plotting how they'll get in to destroy the ship. And it's not, unfortunately, as easy as just zipping in, placing C4 in very strategic places and zipping out again because, like, the core is surrounded in trinium which is, if you remember, that mineral that the Salish have that's, like, even stronger than Naquita, and there's, like, four shields everywhere, and so they just, yeah, they can't just go and plant C4 and get out. And Sam does point out, though, that the main power core is linked to a cooling system, and if they can maybe take that out, then the core should then overheat and, you know, kablooey. So the one sort of minor problem there is that the entire area is protected by force shields, like in the hallways and stuff. And Daniel's just like, so? And Sam's just like, oh, yeah, right. And Jack's like, can can you please explain that to me? Because I don't know what you're talking about. And so apparently Gould shields work on a frequency oscillation principle. And if they can move fast enough, they should actually be able to see that oscillation and basically run like between the oscillations and Jack's like, sounds good. Let's get some snacks and go. I do like so, the bit about the snacks. We're going to need snacks. We're going to need snacks. Yeah. So SG one, once more zip through the SGC to the control room, knock out the text with an injection of something. And Sam gets to work on the computer to like get like, not just the blast doors into the gate room, but also like in the hallways around the gate room closed and get the gate dialing up and they managed to get everything closed off before the soldiers can get in and they head up the ramp. But Tilk has managed to sort of sneak in and is like, hey, guys. And Jack's like, nope, sorry, not this time. And off they go. Uh, yeah. You're not we, part of the cool kids club today, Tilk. Uh, not, not today, Tilk. Uh, you and your chin beard are not invited. <laughs> you and your chin worm can stay on our- <laughs> Uh, so we get Hammond and a few other staff members coming into the control room and, you know, find everybody unconscious and Hammond orders the gate to be shut down and the blast doors open, but they're locked out of the system. And so Hammond calls for medical team to take care of everybody. So on the, the other planet, the gate is open and the Jaffa take aim to be ready for whoever is coming through. And if you'll note, the Jaffa all have Apophis's symbol now on their foreheads, but are still wearing Sokar's armor. So to kind of sort of tie the end of that little story together Mm. that is still happening. And SG-1 come through just as a blur because, as Sam had said earlier, how you exit the gate or how you enter the gate determines how you exit the gate. So, like, your velocity is the same. And uh, the the Jaffa do manage to get a few shots off. But, of course, they just completely miss SG-1 and everybody's, like, overpowered and knocked down and unconscious and they kind of pause, but then just take off again through the woods towards Apophis's giant new ship. Yay. Uh, They take out the Jaffa that are guarding the entrance and start to make their way through the corridors. And they see two Jaffa carrying some Naquita and Jack is amazed that it takes two guys to carry it. And Sam's eyes kind of like go wide at realizing how many reactors they could build with even just that little bit of Naquita. And Daniel's like, I'm on it and takes off after the Jaffa and Sam and Jack continue on and they pause for a second and Sam starts kind of maybe not feeling so great. She's like, it'll be fine. I'm just a little hot, but insists she's fine. And they finally find what they were looking for and make a run for it and get through the force shields. And it'll take the power core about 10 minutes to blow once they take out the cooling system. And so they set the C4 for five five minutes from now. So they'll have 15 minutes to get back to the gate, which should not be a problem for these guys. In theory. In theory, yes. However... Uh, so they get back to the place. I, I think it's sort of like where they split from Daniel near the entrance. And he comes huffing down the hall with an aqueduct in his back. And he's like, this is this is actually like really heavy. And Jack and Sam take off and we hear Daniel falling to the floor. So Jack and Sam head back and see him just laying there. And he's like, I can't move. 
and Jack sort of goes to pull the backpack off Daniel, but it's too late because Daniel just passes out as the armband falls off. So at first when I watched that, I had the thought of if it was the Nakwita doing it before they revealed that it was the, you know, the virus. Oh, like the Nakwita sort of reacting somehow to... Yeah, that's the thought that first popped into my head. Hmm. That is an interesting thought. Hmm. Yeah, but it was wrong. It was a wrong yeah. thought. It's, 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 it's a good there. thought. It's yeah. a good thought. But yes, unfortunately, you are wrong. <laughs> <laughs> So um, back in Hammond's office, they now know what we know and that the armbands are just going to fall off as there is now an antibody present in their system that is fighting off the virus, which allows the armband to work. And Hammond is very much not happy with this news because they're on a very dangerous mission with their one advantage about to just disappear. And oops. Freya, <laughs> a very big oops. Uh, Freya comes out to apologize, swearing again she had no idea about this mission, and Anise then sincerely hopes for SG-1's safe return. So we are at this point to believe that like they had absolutely no idea that the armbands would fall off because they had no idea that their bodies would create antibodies to fight the virus. Yes, because they'd so never how... actually put them on a person. So how do you think they would have figured out the thought of antibodies fighting off the virus leading to the armbands falling off? Well, if it's the virus that makes the armbands work. Yeah, I guess the question is, yeah, why did they think the armbands would fall off rather than just they would like lose their superpowers? Yeah, or have less superpowers or like i thought it was a pretty big leap for them to be like oh antibodies oh they're gonna completely cure themselves of whatever the armband is gonna be and they're gonna fall off they're gonna have nothing left like yeah and it does seem it does seem to be with sort of as slow as the power built up it is a very abrupt and power's gone there's no and we're done now yeah yeah there's no sort of winding down of the powers which yeah i hadn't really thought about it like that but yeah that is strange yeah and and so what if if somebody hadn't come up with the antibodies then they would have gone into organ failure is that the other way it would have gone i guess yeah oh man yeah i guess i guess now we know why the at next beard yep so back on the ship to jaffa come across sg1 and yell cree at them as jaffa do and Jack and Sam slowly stand up with their hands up, and one of the Jaffa gets his staff weapon ready, but he's taken down by a zap blast before he can get the shot off. The other Jaffa, the other Jaffa does manage to fire his staff weapon, but Jack and Sam are able to move fast enough to dodge it, and it's a very, very cool shot that was done practically with a rock on a wire. Really? Yep. That's funny. I mean, it was, you know, fu- you know. Fancied up in post, but that's just, yeah, like a rock on a wire. I love and old school stuff like that. I know. So cool. And then that second Jaffa gets taken down by a zap blast. And yay, Tilk is here. Uh, yay. yay. So Daniel finally then starts to come around and Tilk helps him up. And they hear more Jaffa coming. So Jack and Sam head off to take care of them while Tilk starts to get Daniel back to the gate. And we get a brief shot of the C4 timer showing two minutes and 45 seconds and counting down. So now we know where the ticking clock is. And Jack and Sam are running through the shields to, you know, get back out of the ship. And Jack makes it through one of them, but Sam does not. And Jack turns around, sees Sam collapse and her armband fall off. And he starts running back in slow-mo and just crashes face first into one of the shields and his armband falls off. And fun fact, there were actually like giant sheets of cellophane strung up on the set. So they could actually realistically do. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that is Richard Jean Anderson running face first into a giant sheet of like saran wrap. (laughs) (laughs) I like that. I like that very much. Yeah. Uh, so you know they had to do a take where he was like, "No," and then <laughs> ran like slow at it. Yeah. <laughs> Here's a question though. Okay, yes. but like Jack put his on 
what, days or something before the other two did. So why are they all failing at the same time? Um, so I did wonder about that. And fan theory is that Daniels fell off first because of his allergies. So he already has probably just generally more antibodies in his system to deal with the things his body doesn't like. As far as Sam, possibly something to do with the protein marker left by Jolinar could have something to do with it. Um, but yeah, technically Jax should have fallen off first, but you know, yeah. story needs means it didn't. Mm, I say yeah. no on that one. That's bad writing. Okay. Maybe that's the part that stayed from the other writer. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. Yep. Um, so Tilk and Daniel have made it back to the entrance of the ship and are like, where's Jack and Sam? They should be here. And Tilk tells Daniel to continue towards the gate and he'll head back into the ship to find them. But he is stopped by the force shield that's at the entrance of the ship, which, okay. How did Tilk and Daniel get out of the force shields if there are shields everywhere? Like, they just, like, walked through that doorway and then turn around and you're stopped by a shield. And there wasn't any kind of sound to indicate, like, more force shields being turned on. But I'm I'm just very confused by this whole shield thing and how Tilk and Daniel made it out of the ship if they can't run fast enough to get through the oscillating bit that the shields Well, okay, so I do remember there being a cut where they specifically show all the shields going on. Is that before the cut where Sam and Jack are running to show, yes, there are four shields Um, that they don't get through? Oh. um, 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 Yeah, there's a specific cut that they do that, like, one shows up in a door and one shows up in the hallway. Yeah. Uh, I do think it's before this. So, like, the shield that Tilk runs into should have been up as they walked out. Unless, because that's the shield at the entrance of the ship, it's, like, one way and only stops you coming in but lets you go out. Although I don't think that works with what Sam says about how the ghoul force shields work. That doesn't sound right. Yeah, I'm I'm just I'm very confused by this whole the whole four shields thing in this particular scene with yeah, Tilk and Daniel and all of that. I don't understand. It confuses me. Should we a lot. just go with the protocol book number two that just says Tilk on it? I I think, yeah, this is just yeah, Tilk. <laughs> protocol page two. Tilk. Tilk. Yep. Uh Okay. Um, okay. So we're back with Sam and Jack and Sam slowly wakes up and sees that Jack is also unconscious without his armband and they have a minute 56 left before the C4 blows and Jack kind of starts banging on the force shield to get out and Sam's like, you need to go. And he's like, you need to come with me. I'm not like leaving you. So Tilk and Daniel are just kind of standing helplessly at the entrance to the ship as they just stand there waiting and Jack then starts banging on a panel on the wall to try and, I guess, open it to see if they can manually turn off the force shields that are here. And back again with Daniel and Tilk. Daniel reminds Tilk about what's going to happen in just over 10 minutes. And Tilk's like, yep, I know exactly what's going to happen. And Daniel's like, great, just making a totally informed decision to stay right here while we wait for the ship to explode. Good to know. Yeah. Got it. Yep. Mm-hmm. So Jack finally gets into the panel panel, and sounds like there's no time. And we hear the sound of Jaffa coming and a shot of the C4 clock at eight seconds. And a siren starts to blare from somewhere. And Daniel's like, here we go. And a couple more Jaffa have found Jack and Sam. But as they go to take aim, the C4 explodes, knocking everyone to the floor and also causing the shields to turn off conveniently. Yay. Yay. All of them, too. Not even just in that area. All of them, yes. (laughs) Like, all shields are down. It was, was like, apparently the primary shield place. Yes. So, all right, let's go. They take off. Sam tries to grab the backpack that's got the Naquita in it, and Jack's like, leave it. 
So at the entrance, Tilk and Daniel are also getting up from where they had been knocked down to the ground and also notice that the shields have gone off and they start to run back in. But Jack and Sam are already there. So let's go back to the gate. They're running towards the gate with less than a minute left now before the ship is going to blow. And we've got Jaffa running after them. And of course, they're very horrible shots and they completely miss everybody. And Tilk is a great shot and takes them both out with a single zap blast to each of them. And they get back to the gate. Sam, Jack and Daniel are sort of taking cover in that Playground of the Gods totem pole area while Tilk gets the DHD, dials it, sends the GDO the ship explodes. You can see the blast wave coming as Tilk runs back to help everybody actually get through the gate. And they dive through like as the blast wave makes it to the gate. The gate on Earth opens. SG-1 come tumbling through out onto the ramp. Hammond runs up to them and we get the shot of Jack looking up at him and going, just remember, I retired. You wanted me back. Basically, this is your fault. I was gone. <laughs> it's all your fault. So I'm really surprised they didn't pick up the armbands on their way, though. Like, Nakoda, sure, but I'm really surprised they didn't grab the armbands. Yeah, but I mean, you know, as Sam says, like, we kind of had bigger problems to worry about, which I, yeah. Um, it's like right there. We saw it on the yeah, floor. I know. Uh, so Hammonds does, does, you know, does ask if they're okay, and they're like, I, yeah, I think so, should be. And Jack tells them that the armbands fell off, but Tilk confirms that they were successful in destroying the ship. And Hammond tells everyone to report to the infirmary. And before they go, Jack starts off apologizing to Hammond for what they did. And Sam and Daniel agree. And except for Tilk, who has no need to apologize because he was actually following orders. <laughs> I apologize for nothing. I apologize for nothing. Yes. Uh, Freya goes up to Jack and tells him that she and Denise both hope they can work together again in the future. And Jack's just like, can't wait. Sound, sounds good. Yeah. Yeah. The end. I like that shot, too, when they're talking in that scene. Like, it starts off from Hammond's point of view. Yeah. Like, looking down on Jack. Yeah, yeah. that camera angle. Because they continue it for a few more cuts. And I liked it. Yeah. Yeah. That was good. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's upgrades. Yay! Yay! Like it. Yay! Like All it. Right. Yeah. So, uh, what memos do you have for us this week? Today's memo is learn how to turn all experimental alien technology off and on again before <laughs> taking it on a mission. Oh, yeah. I like it. First rule of IT: turn it off and on again. Uh, yeah. Okay. Um. For so episode title upgrades, you know, SG One got upgraded real good for a little bit at least. Yeah. Um, we have some. We actually have some fun foreign territory titles this week. Oh. Uh, for French speaking countries, we have hazardous experimentation. Ooh, okay. For Italian, we have strengthening. Mm-hmm. In Spanish, we have transformations. Okay. Uh, Czech and German were actually quite similar, with Czech being Antonique legacy and German being legacy of the Ateniques. And Mm. then we had Russian being upgraded ones. Ooh, I like it. I do wonder about all these. Why? I do wonder. Yeah. Can't say that right. I do sometimes wonder why all of these are alternative titles are necessary. Yeah. Like I'm not sure how upgrades doesn't translate to all of these other languages. Yeah. Like some of the more idiomatic sort of type titles I get because, you know, that's not always a one to one kind of thing. But yeah, Mm -hmm. things like this that are just like upgrade. Yeah. Why? Why is it just not upgrades? everywhere yeah. else who knows yeah no no but, hmm. yeah this is a good one i like this one it is a good one yeah we Any haven't done anything thoughts? well it was nice like they hadn't done any sort of plot lines gold in a bit so it was yeah and it was it's it's sort of an interesting way to keep apophis alive without needing apophis yeah. you know like, even though Apophis is out there doing stuff, like, there's sort of other little things that, like, Apophis and the Gould are doing 
that aren't necessarily them attacking somebody. Yeah. And us having to get involved with that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I liked it. Okay. I Me liked too. it. Yay. She that. Yes. All right. Well, thank you everybody out there for listening. As always, you can find us on Twitter at SG underscore rewatch or send us an email at woo SG rewatch. That's W O O S G rewatch at gmail.com. Don't forget to rate and review us, please. And we will see you next time for Crossroads. Bye. Bye.